0: Hello everybody. Once again I'd like to welcome you to a new series of studies and this time we shall begin by looking at the book of 2 Thessalonians. This is a very interesting book and it has much to teach us by way of exhortation and encouragement. But first of all before we dig into the book I'd like to say a few words about the background to one and to Thessalonians. These churches were established as a consequence of the Macedonian call that Paul received by vision and dream as it is recorded in Acts chapter 16 verses 6 to 10. Thessaloniki then itself was established round about 513 BC and is situated today in Greece at the north eastern part of the country on the Aegean Sea. This old biblical city is still beautiful and with us and it has a new city attached to it. It is in fact the second biggest city in all of Greece today paul planted the church there in thessaloniki somewhere around the year 50 a.d and paul's epistles to them were written between 51 and 52 a.d second thessalonians is a relatively short epistle encouraging the believers in the face of persecution and giving them some general instructions about the glorious second coming of Jesus. This book, indeed, is most worthy of our careful and diligent study. So let's turn to Second Thessalonians, and I would like to read chapter 1 to you. Chapter 1 begins like this. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other, so that we ourselves, most of you among the churches of God, for your patience and faith, in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you also suffer. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, and to give you who are troubled rest with us, When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not obey God or know him and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints, and to be admired among all those who believe, because our testimony among you was believed. Therefore, we also pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling, and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you, And you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Just so far. If we need to give a title to the teaching of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, we can say that it deals with the cycles or seasons of the Christian life. The Bible teaches us that the Christian is always changing and going through seasons of spiritual experience, much like the seasons of the world, in that we have summer and we have uh, autumn and we have winter and we have spring. Well, the Christian life is much like that. It goes through these seasons all the time and uh, through them all, God is dealing with his people. And Paul wants them to know this and he knows that because of some of the seasons that they're going through, they could be discouraged and uh, they could think somehow that God has forsaken them. And so he wants to encourage them. He wants to assure them that God is working in their lives and accomplishing in them great and wonderful things. And this is so important for each and every one of us to understand and to know today. You will, my friend, go through a season that will be bewildering and difficult to understand. But God is with you and he will not forsake you. And he will accomplish something very special in your life if you stay true and you hold to your faith. And then you will see Something wonderful as you look back over that season. So he tells us in this passage essentially that there are three seasons through which the Christian will pass. They will come and go all the time. It's not as if they just come once and that's it. Just like the seasons of the year, every year they come. And so your life will be subjected and my life will be subjected. To these seasons that God will take us through. And the first season that he speaks about in this passage is what I call the season of growth. He says this in verses 3 and 4a, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly And the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. So he speaks about this cycle of growth, which means the Christian grows in two ways. And that is he grows in faith and he also grows in character. He refers to character here as love. It is so important that we do not have one without the other. Uh, Love is what we are, and faith is what we do. And the Christian will go through a season where these things will be entrenched in his or her life. You've gone through that as a Christian. You just grow. There's a steady sense of serving God, and your character is being transformed into the image of Christ, and you begin to do things by faith. As you serve Christ. Now it's important to understand in this passage that the faith about which he is talking here is not the gift of faith, which is a supernatural deposit in an instant of time whereby you can do something incredible which is impossible. You see that in the way that Moses was given a supernatural gift of faith. He lifted up his hand and the Dead Sea parted. I mean, that is absolutely supernatural. We're not talking about that gift of faith that is mentioned, of course, in the book of Corinthians. We're talking about the fruit of faith. That is, faith is like a muscle. It grows in you. The more you serve God, the more you do things for God, the more you trust God, your faith grows. You begin to step from one degree of faith to another, as it were, because you've been encouraged to see how God works with you. And that is so important. And that's why he says, look, he says, I thank God for you that I recognize that you've been through a cycle of faith and of love. That is the cycle of growth. How wonderful that is. And more than that, he says, you guys have become so steady in your cycle of growth that the churches in the region have heard of you and you have a reputation of of Christians. Being growing and full of love and serving Christ with all your hearts. I wonder whether that speaks of of you and of me today. May it be so. May it be so that we too have a testimony of growth. That our love and our faith going hand in hand will be testimony to the reality of Jesus in our hearts but then he he moves away from that and he goes on to another subject which is the cycle of judgment interesting the cycle of judgment and this is what he says in verses 4b to verse 10, We ourselves boast of you in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which also you suffer. speaks about a cycle of judgment. These Christians have been plunged into trial and difficulty. And he says, in fact, This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God over their lives. And here he's not talking so much at all, in fact, about the anger or the wrath of God. No, he's talking about the correction of God over their lives. My friends, there are some things in our lives that will not be removed, that displease God by prayer, By reading the word of God, by attending church, by seeking God, by tithing, by serving. They are so ingrained in our natures that only trial and tribulation can remove them from our lives. He says, I know that you've been through various trials and persecutions. But these, he says, are evidence of the righteous judgment of God over your lives, so that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which indeed you suffer. So we need to hear that. The Bible teaches that if we are without correction and this type of judgment, then really we do not belong to Jesus. And you can read that in Hebrews chapter 12. We are illegitimate. God will deal with us as sons. He will correct us. He will change us. He will remove ingrained sin from our lives. And he will do it through a cycle of judgment. Now this judgment is very interesting because, number one, it is external. God is preparing us for eternity. There's something wonderful in mind. He's changing us. He's getting us ready. For our future destiny. How wonderful that is. You need to keep that in your heart and in your mind. He's changing us for something in the future. The judgment is external. It has something in the future in mind for you and for me. Do not be discouraged. Secondly, however, it is internal. As I said, because God is refining you. He's changing you. And the only way he can do it is by putting you through a cycle of Of judgment. And we all go through it. Do not be discouraged. Be encouraged. For God is with you. As he writes to them. How wonderful it is. That Paul is so precise. In his teaching. A cycle of growth. He thanks God for them. He recognizes they've been through it. They have a reputation. But then he says. You're also going to go. And you are. Through a cycle of judgment. It is external. It is internal. But interestingly, it is also ironic. Now, why do we say that? Why is the cycle of judgment ironic? Well, the answer to that question is simple. And it's this. The people prepared for hell in this passage are the very people that God is going to use to prepare you and me For heaven, he calls them troublers, people who trouble you. And we've all been through times when people around us, whether it be family or friends or somehow, they trouble us because of our faith. They turn against us. And we find it so hard to go through. But God allows you, allows that to happen so that he can, in fact, change you. But how fascinating it is As I said, that the people prepared for hell are the people that God uses to prepare you for heaven. You know, years ago, I worked for a very big glass manufacturing company in South Africa. And when I came into the office on my first day, as a young Christian, actually, I found myself planted amongst people who really came from hell their actions their blasphemy their cursing their swearing and uh, and they openly stated not knowing that i was a christian that they detested christians in fact there was one christian who came every day into the office to deliver something and they warned me about him and said listen there's this christian guy who comes here man he's always telling us about jesus You can imagine how terrified I was because I knew that I had to stand up and say something or I would drown in their wickedness. So this forced me to come out of the closet as it were and tell them I too love Jesus. You can imagine the response I got. It was not a blessing but... God used it. They were troublers. He put backbone in my life. He did something there that was astonishing in me. It changed me. It took away fear of people. Made me different. And only the cycle of judgment could achieve that. The cycle of judgment, my friends, is external. Preparing you for heaven. Internal. Transforming your life into the character of Christ. It is ironic that God will allow evil people to pressure your life. Because he knows it's the only way he can change you. Be encouraged. That's how Paul writes to them. Telling them that they should not be discouraged and then there's the final cycle that he talks about and that i call the cycle of glorification and that's in verses 11 to 12 and we read this that the name of our lord jesus christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our god and the lord jesus christ and the tense of the passage is present continuous in other words It's now and going forward. There'll come a time after the cycle of growth and judgment where you'll enter a cycle of glorification. It's almost like renewal and and a restoration, a new breath of Christian experience. It's very exciting. I pray, he says, and I know that God will do such a work in you that Jesus will be glorified in your life. We've all been through those times. How exciting. I can think of many of them. Where I just received something new, something special, something wonderful. Hold on. Be faithful. Be strong. Because God wants to give you that. The cycle of glorious demonstration of Jesus in your life bringing renewal. How wonderful that is. Now, a final note as we bring this to a conclusion. Let me read the following. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God. It is clear from this passage that the troublers that God uses to change your life will in the end be dealt with on that day when Jesus comes a second time in flaming fire and in the presence of many angels to the Mount of Olives. It is important to note from the text that this will be the day when we as the church are resurrected to meet him in the air. He says this is the day when you'll finally get full rest from everything that happened on earth. And it's the first time you will see Jesus in your resurrected body and in his glory. On that day, when he comes in flaming fire to judge the ungodly and to send them to hell. My friends, the truth is clear. This is no secret rapture. This is a very noisy rapture. Flaming fire, mighty angels. When Jesus comes on the same day, to deal with the ungodly that is according to Paul the rapture of the church takes place at the glorious and wonderful and manifest second coming of Jesus may God help us to be ready May he enable us to overcome. May he strengthen us to endure. And most of all, let us move through the spiritual cycles or seasons of our lives with Christ that in the end, we will end well and on that glorious day be resurrected when he comes in flaming fire to deal out retribution against the ungodly. This, my friends, is Malcolm Heading.